Missy. How'd you, uh, how'd you know my name? The fun's just beginning. Right? Wait a second, is it? I think this is funny, right? Things, some sort of game, huh? Well, guys, be careful. I'm not afraid of you! The fun's just beginning. It's a line from your act, dude. I'm a fan. Are those your parents? Yeah. You want a picture? You okay, Dean? I think I'm good. Come on. Okay, cool. Good kid. Jesus, Richie, don't remember lines from your own show. Don't write my own material. Hello there and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And this is not episode 48. No, this is the much talked about... Uh, we talked about last week. We, we reintroduced talked it. about it two weeks in a row. I did. I like building building suspense. We've never built suspense for anything in our whole lives. No. On this, on this podcast. No, this podcast is blunt and in What are we going to do next week? Please? I don't know. It's very, Russell, it's Russell, very Russell, frank. Russell. Frank meaning blunt or in your face. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, no, but this is the Stephen King week. Yeah. Yay, Stephen King week. In the, uh, with the release of It Chapter 2 this past week, we decided that we were going to do some lists of our top Stephen King novels or other pieces of literature and top Stephen King films and uh, give our thoughts first off of It Chapter 2. Yeah, but we needed you know, two things. We could not do this episode without... Our very special guest, our only guest we've ever had on the show, JP. Hello. Yes, he says hello. As he says hello, then immediately <laughs> looks away. No, but you're a big King fan too. So when we talk, when we said we were going to do this, we were just like, we have to get JP in here. We've had, I think the three of us have had many Stephen King conversations over the years, over drinks, not paying attention to baseball games and stuff like and that. And chicken wings. And trying to avoid Quinnipiac students. Yeah. Usually street. unsuccessfully. Well, they just they just crowd you at some yeah. point. They just are there, and then just the rap music, mm. rap music. But yeah, what's the second thing, Tom? We got beer. We got a special beer. Yeah, we're go- we're breaking our farm the table rule though, slightly. I mean, I guess you can get I guess it. you could. This is a day drive still. Freeport, Maine, is a day drive. Yeah, it's a long day drive, but it's still a day drive. I drove up to northern New Hampshire today, actually near Derry, New Hampshire. Did Ooh. you? Uh, on on Saturday, yes. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a, I said it's today, day. like when the, this yeah, episode no, airs. You punched your mic there, Jesus. That we just lost really weird. On we just lost seventeen listeners. We're down to three. Um, yeah. So this is a day drive, and this is uh, from Maine Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is their uh, IPA. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Uh, their Woods and. Woods and Waters. Woods and Waters. It's a 6.5, I believe. Uh, It's on the other side there. You take that. It's a 6.2. It looks like it's going to be, you know, just your typical pretty piney IPA. That's kind of like what Maine Brewing Company does. Their lunch and dinner are some of their most famous ones. We're going to dink it. A lot of dinking going on. 
interesting. It's alright. Yeah, it's alright. It's got that counterweight taste to it, which I'm not Is like it, a super... Does it have a counterweight taste to it? A little bit. Sure, it's not just the glass. I mean, the... It's the um, <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. Um, no, it, ha- it, has, it has a little glass. bit of the headway taste to it. Yeah, maybe, but it definitely has like a piney finish that headway doesn't. And, and it's like a flatter kind it's of... It's good, though. No, it's good. It's got kind of a flatter mouthfeel. It does taste a little flat. Yeah. It's lighter. Mm, it is mm, very light. Light, yeah. In the glass. It looks like a... Uh, that's yellow. I gotta say, like compared to my side beer, mm-hmm. now served. I have I have eight of these still downstairs. So if you want one, why did you say you only had this one thing? I would have said we just drink that. I like that very much. Yeah. Oh, it's but, so uh, good. Now served in a glass, blackberry gose, but a glass like a bottle, I should say. It's always served in a glass uh, from East Rock Brewing Company. We're not gonna mention that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna list that one. Yeah. Speaking of things we shouldn't mention. I think we should just get right into it. Don't you think so? Get right into it. Yeah. No, no wordplay. No, no wordplay, JP. Damn unless, it. unless you're unless you're Bill Hader yeah. in a library. <laughs> I never hear puns on this podcast, ever. Is that oh damn it, Mario. That's that's our first real criticism we've had in a long time. Oh, God. We have to Because we never and... hear from our listeners. It was, it was sarcasm. It was oh, okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, let's do some uh, let's do some it chapter two. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. So yeah, it, chapter two. I want. Let me do this okay, one. You do it. I, I was sure this. you were going to want to do this. I'm I doing sure this. You were going to want to do it. It chapter two is the follow up to the 2017 it chapter one. It takes place 27 years after the young losers club has vanquished uh, the Pennywise the dancing cloud, the titular it, to the abyss. Um, this film subverts expectations though by moving the action from Derry, Maine to suburban Connecticut, featuring two ruggedly handsome 30-somethings, has um, Pennywise, ever the mimic, decides to take the form of a regular multiplex. Um, he's played a mummy. He's played a leper. <laughs> he's played a you know creature from the Black Lagoon. Now he's going to be a movie theater. And he lures these two unsuspecting men who love film. And a baby. And a baby. Huh? A baby. Into two hours and 49 minutes of existential dread, mm. punctuated by a new and worthlessness and listlessness. These two men, as they endure nearly three hours of this, wonder not just about their love of film but about the love of their very existence. Uh-huh. And Pennywise need not even consume these men. 
for the salted meat isn't even salted anymore. As they leave, it yeah. is rotted to the core. Wow. And Pennywise himself in the end decides that maybe he's gone too far and retires to a farm in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. That's, there it is. I'm this really... movie fucking sucks. It is an absolute garbage fire of a picture. Yeah. Realistically, it takes place 20... Whoa, there's a big spike. It takes place 27 years later. Uh, the losers uh, have all forgotten about their adventures in Derry, Maine. They're brought back by the uh, death, uh, violent death of a um, hate crime. Um, over then, a beaver hat. Yeah. That started over a beaver hat. They proceed to... Uh, you know, go through 17 to 25 different set pieces uh, that are that are told to us that we're going to have to endure one by one. Um, eventually, they go down to the sewers. They, they kill it, and that, that's the movie. A couple of them die, and, and, and then we all leave wondering what happened to our time. And all I can say is I thank God I only spent $6.30 on this mm, film. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm glad I still had some bonus points left for my Fandango account that oh. <laughs> I could use towards this. Um, JP, what did what did you think of of it? Initial reaction to it, Chapter Two. It was fine. It wasn't. I didn't feel like it was as terrible. Uh huh. But it was incredibly long. Oh yeah. Um. I mean, but compared to the first one, it it just wasn't good. Yeah, I um, agree with both of you in that it was incredibly long and incredibly weirdly terrible. And I think the problem is that I don't really know why it's so... I don't know why it's so terrible. Like, I can't figure... I part of the, So you had said right afterwards, Mario, like, I'm forgetting it as... As I was watching it, I was forgetting it. And I kind of was, too. Like, I didn't really have any sense... Because it's so episodic, so it's like... The six you get the six the, or seven people in Stanley's case who you know killed himself. We get the seven stories leading up to how they get there, and then that chunk of scene when they get there, and then like seven stories, six stories. showing how they find their artifacts, and then a bunch of extra stories just in case you didn't get it all. And during the first six stories, and then um, it just like keeps going, going, going. And I thought like the thing that really. I admired the first one so much for was all the stuff that they took out of Stephen King's book and it just kind of winnowed it down to like the stuff that really mattered in the book um, and leaving a couple of things like you know tosses here or there to the book putting things a little out of order moving some set pieces around and stuff like that um, but this one it really seemed to work hard to get as much of the book in as possible while also adding an extra hour of stuff that wasn't in the book at all that didn't help illuminate any of the information that you saw on the screen. Like, I didn't understand... I'm not sure what any of the choices they made were in reference to. I don't understand why this movie is like this. See, my... I, I realized as, you know, I thought back to what really bothers me about this film. Um, the the episodic elements are are paramount in that in the fact that ultimately it chapter one has we said before like we said before you know over beers before we started this podcast um has kind of like a lot of a 
a weird sort of younger brother of Stand By Me to it in that mm-hmm. it is ultimately the tale of like seven friends coming from disparate situations, coming together over one united core and functioning together. And the story, you know, those horror, like, funhouse set pieces are cool to look at, but they're not the main driving purpose. The main driving purpose is the conflict and the togetherness that this group of people has. Mm-hmm. You know, those the, the kid actors, Finn Wolfhard, um, you know, Sophie Louise and all them, like, there is... Uh, sort of authentic sense to the, the community they grow in that first film to, to me like like there yeah. there's real relationships there that are built and so even though the first film's really episodic in terms of you know you still get all those horror set pieces for each character that they're punctuated and kind of timed a little differently and edited a little stronger this one separates them so much and kind of does a punch of each character by themselves um and does that continuously and does that for a really after long after period, like chunk of the middle, yeah. you lose all focus of, of this unity and togetherness. And even during like the final scenes, um, you know, in, in chapter one, all the horror they're experiencing is, is more grouped together as a whole unit. Yeah. In it chapter two, they separate them still. You know, they're separated into groups. Bike's not even fucking with one of them, you know. So Eddie and Richie are off in one area, um, you know. Bev and uh, Ben are off in another, and Bill is kind of off doing his own thing. And like, you get this separation, so you never actually see this kind of like growing unity together. And that's like the big thing about the book too is is the the sad parts of that is like in the adult sections is you see that reconnection of the unity, and then it's lost when they destroy it because they start forgetting about the town, and the towns aren't kind of forgetting mm-hmm. about them. It kind of like grows into this kind of like subtext of. You know the things you remembered, when, like like the body did, um, the stand by me of the things you remember when you're young, and the thing you can't capture that when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jesus does anybody has like stand by me ends with talking about like the kid, the friends you make when you're 12. Yeah, like it carries a lot of that kind of emotion. Um, this just becomes about the set pieces. This becomes about those moments that are kind of interrupters in it chapter one to remind you it's still a horror movie um and that's why it doesn't work for me the characters like everyone i think all the performances most for the most part all the performance in this are still really incredibly solid and for the most part um there's a couple that don't work for me and we'll talk we'll talk about that when we get to like like i want to focus first on like the things that work for the plot um okay like i I, like those individual performances kind of still work but when it comes to caring about the unit, the actual Losers Club, it falls apart for me. And that's why it ends up feeling like a chore. Because I feel like I'm just painting off a list and trying to get through these scares that aren't really scary. Like, all and all the set pieces are really just so utterly devoid of tension in the fact that they extend on for too long. Well, yeah. uh, the skateboard kid is, is a great example in the Hall of Mirrors. Like, that kind of builds initially kind of interestingly. And then when Pennywise is just continuously banging his head and it keeps going on, it loses all that sense of kind of drama or tension and just becomes kind of a parody unto itself. Well, I think that initial scene's done well. I think that initial scene's actually... The Adrian Mellon scene is actually... I think it's fine. I think that's like a... like. T- 
tone perfect in terms of building the dread and, and, and in terms of how it's paced. Yeah. But every other set piece after that is either goofy or too long. You have, you know, when Eddie gets vomited on, what's that pop song that plays? Just rant, like, completely off that? view. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember Angel what Angel of Morning. Yeah. And, yeah, Angel of the Morning. It felt like suddenly Tim Miller was directing this and doing a Deadpool thing. Um, the, the tone and the pacing's off and those set pieces and with that combined with the fact that you just don't care about the unity of the group just makes you not care about what's happening. Yeah. And that's what makes it boring. And that's like the worst thing a film could be is you forget it as it's going on. It, it's basically like it was in the film in the sense of I started forgetting about the, the plot of it as I was watching it. Well, we commented during the movie um, because it was silly. So we were just talking once ourselves occasionally. Yeah, luckily uh, the theater was pretty sparse. So we the James Bond people should be giving Kerry Fukunaga like an extra $10 million for like directing their movie and being involved with their movie at all because like the difference between It Chapter 1, It Chapter 2, um, you know, Kerry Fukunaga worked on It Chapter 1, like, you know, did some, uh, came up with the initial story, I think wrote or co-wrote the initial script but was definitely like, uh, like an executive producer on like, um, um, the finished movie um, he's not involved at all in the second movie and I mean I think the second movie is it's problematic in a lot of ways but I mean I just think the direction is bad so like yeah no and I, I had thought like it was comp- I thought it was a different editor it's still the same editor which so, I found surprising I mean you could say why did the why did the set pieces not work at all this time one of the reasons is because they do almost every set piece two times so they have the old, the, like the older character, go into the place where the set piece is going to happen, have a flashback about it, and then have a new experience with it. Yeah, it just right. it just takes for <laughs> it just takes forever, and like, you know, so the Richie one where he goes, which is my nightmare. I mean, I this it lines up with me going to a Rolling Stones concert and saying to my friend, like, if they play, you can't always get what you want. I'm fucking leaving, and they played it like the fourth song, and we left. Because I'm not doing that stuff. I said to both of you guys, like, there can't be... Gotta get this Paul Bunyan shit out of here. You gotta get it out. I, there's no reason in a 2019 movie to have Paul Bunyan coming back to life, to just like it does in the book, and, like, terrorizing anybody. But they, fu- <laughs> they fucking do it. And, like, the balls of it is... That it's supposed to be happening when, like, the kids are all split up. Like, there's this whole big thing about, which isn't in the book, about, like, oh, there was a day that we weren't together and, like, something a happened A period of to time. Not just a day. It was, whatever. like, a, period a of time. few weeks. So, apparently, Richie got chased through the park by Paul Bunyan, but which you would think would be significant, as would be the construction of their clubhouse, which is not shown or mentioned at all in the first movie. Um as is tons of other stuff, would be significant to the kids, but it's never mentioned. So, like, or, or Ben being chased around by, in, into the most spacious locker of all time. Um, Although, it, it, and another frustrating part of that is I thought it was going to build up to Pennywise uh, showing itself as one of the new kids on the block in that scene. Me like, too. And I was like, that is going to be awesome. And yeah. then it didn't happen. I was like, oh, well, yeah, just... Continue to disappoint me, movie. But like, whose idea was it to give Bill not just like his to get his artifact, the stupid fucking artifact, like where Mike is like, we need to find our artifacts. Mine's a jar of Old Spice, um, because he's the Old Spice guy. 
Um, Thanks for explaining the joke. No, I was being frank. Um, <laughs> I wish somebody watched CBS News. Anybody <laughs> watched CBS News on 9-10-2019 is laughing their ass off right yeah. now. Um, so Bill gets, he does his thing with, you know, Penny, with the reaching into the sewers and grabbing the boat and like the tiny little hands and whatever. Um, but then Bill gets an extra scene at the carnival. Why? Why give him an extra scene? We already know nothing happens. It's just like, oh, the kid, he got the kid. He can't defend another kid. But like he doesn't, does he need that? Especially when and it doesn't at even... the end of the movie when he's like supposed to be confronting his fear, he's not confronting the fact that he was a bad protector to the skateboard kid. He's confronting the fact that he was didn't take care of Richie or Georgie. Yeah. Um, which is so which is not is which is kid so fucking in there. Yeah, which is so thematically dissonant from like, you know, what is happening with the skateboard kid. So that's the thing. So there's a skateboard kid in the novel where like he Bill goes skateboarding. Remember this? Where like Bill tries to skateboard and like he falls. Yeah. And yeah, then just... he tells like like he gets silver back and then he tells like the skateboard kid. To, he's like telling the skateboard kid to be careful. When like the irony is that like Bill has never been careful on Silver ever. Um, fine, you don't have to put a skateboard kid in this movie, and then like, make him a subplot. Yeah, like <laughs> make him like a four scene subplot. I mean, the best moment. Here's the thing. So like the best moment in the movie is the first appearance. <laughs> The first appearance of the skateboard kid when, like, Richie confronts him in the, the Chinese restaurant and, like, grabs him and screams, <laughs> screams yeah. at him. It's so good. But why does the skateboard kid keep showing up? I don't know. But I think they just wanted to, like, have all this novel stuff in the movie. Not all this novel stuff. We'll, we'll get to, like, novel differences yeah, at the end. I think the, the main things that work at all in this movie for me are maybe the way the skateboard guy, kid plays into it is the ways Pennywise plays on them psychologically. Mm -hmm. So, like, like when he turns over the skateboard and it says, you know, you weren't there for him either, or something to that mm -hmm. effect. And then, um, and also the way he plays on Ben and, you know, changes from Bev being nice to him to telling him, mm -hmm. why would I ever be with a fat, disgusting... Which is the one good, the one good, like, part that I think works. Like, that was actually I think a those good are, one. those are the things that works when he tells them... You know, how terrible are they yeah. or how they, you know, failed somebody or... But I think those scenes go on forever. Yeah. And then you, you get... So you get the Ben scene. Yeah, we don't need the locker. We, like, <laughs> like him being chased. Right. Maybe him being chased initially by, you know, Bev on fire and then runs into the janitor. That's all you need. You don't need, like, to duplicate your, your, your scares. Well, that, and that's a really good point because that happened in the book. You know, they will be... So I remember when, like, Richie and Bill first go to Niebold Street in 1958. After Eddie said he saw the leper at Niebold Street, they kind of they put the things together. Um, and they go under the thing, and then they go in the basement, and then it's, like, it as the wolfman, and they run out of the basement, and they get on their bikes, and they run away, but the wolfman's chasing them. But eventually, the wolfman's... When they get closer to civilization, the wolfman stops chasing them. The wolfman isn't then, like, hiding behind a tree... 15 minutes later, waiting for them to, like, go back. You know what I mean? Like, it slinks back into wherever he's supposed to be. But they don't do any of that stuff in the movie. They do... So, like, one of the hilarious things of the parts of the movie, and a lot of... Which had a lot of, you know, unintentionally hilarious parts, was, like, 
So Bill goes to get the kid at the carnival, and he sees Pennywise at the other side of the glass. Watching James McAvoy, like, futilely punch the glass is hilarious, and I, it happens for so I had the long. same reaction, because Pennywise is on one side bashing his head, and James McAvoy almost doing the same thing on the yeah, other side. But, like, to no avail. But he just keeps doing it. He just keeps punching it. Why? Just <laughs> move on. Make him smash his head a couple times, then just go. Why is he doing it, like, 15 times? No, exactly. And, like, that is, like, like a ma- like a significant failing in this movie in, in the sense of its length. Um, and we talked about this, like, right afterwards. You know, like, we talked about Avengers Endgame feels long like feels like like it's, it's it a felt three like three movies, hours i mean i felt like i was sitting there forever it, it's because it's cramming a lot of stuff and trying to be this event sort of feature but at the same time you look at it and go like okay i can understand why they're doing the things they're doing it just doesn't appeal to me as, as yeah. a film goer with this you're looking at these th- looking at parts of this film and you can as just you know amateur film cinema goers or whatnot or, or people who just kind of say, you can see the parts you can cut. You don't need that entire scene with Vicky and her birthmark. I don't need it. It doesn't do anything. We don't need a little girl getting bit in the head. I mean, it just, we know he's a bad, we know it's a bad guy. We know Pennywise does this shit. There's nothing new to it. You know, you can keep your skateboard kid. You can keep, you know, um, keep your fucking Bowers. Yeah, you keep just the little D. Yes. We keep all that, but like we don't need this. Like, yeah, we know it's back. We can just show us a wall with more missing, you know, posters. Well, like they did at the beginning with the, you know. Yeah, but that's a, so that's the thing. They showed it, and then just like there's a lot of missing kids. Yeah, like they can't just do anything in this movie. They have to like double down on it to the point where there's two scenes. There's a there's a period, I guess, in the middle of the movie where like all the losers go back to the dairy house and two scenes in a row when someone new goes back to the dairy house Jessica Chastain is walking down the fucking stairs in the same clothes she's been wearing the whole time well speaking of do you I, I love how like everyone just had one costume they're wearing for like these two days they're there well, apparently no, uh, it was a cartoon slept. yeah nobody slept the night <laughs> that whole night they just you know um, but yeah it's like that's just bad directing like, it's the same scene just happened twice. Why? Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's the scenes happen twice. The, the scares happen repeatedly. We're, we're given flashbacks to things we, already as, we can establish before. And, like, so and, and like, the entire, like, like, establishing, you know, when Bev and Bill go back to her house, we rewatch a scene we saw in It Chapter 1, and it's not like an excise part of it. It's like a minute and a half long aspect of that film, and, uh, of It Chapter 1. Uh, like when they, re- they yeah. yeah they bike back after the fight and it's like we don't need to see this I understand well, and I understand quick flashback just yeah. the two of them like at the fight yeah like re like sure you know do the quick flashback to remind somebody that's Bill's house that that Dean is the kid the the skateboard kid's living at um, those are fine but like they repeat they do so many flashbacks to it chapter one a movie that came out two years ago and that you know. You don't need to see that. It's like that. You're like, well, who's going to see this there. movie that didn't see it chapter one? Or like doesn't remember what happened. So like, do you have to reestablish that like Bev's dad is a bad guy? Or that they fought. Yeah. Do you have to reestablish that like Eddie's like, what is the scene in the basement they, of the 
the basement of the even the flashback the scene or the um like the present day scene with Eddie with his mom tied up under the drugstore. Where did that even? Why is that even there? Is that in the book? No. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> just get it the fuck out it's of there. It's just there. It's there for set pieces. It's it's as though but they doubled down piece. on the set. Well, no, it's not. But it's it's as though this film so here, thought that the people liked it. Chapter one, not for the characters, which everyone said they liked it. Chapter one for its characters, and not especially not for Bill Sarsgaard because they just fucking do what they can to cut Bill Skarsgård out of this movie. Um, Even though he's in it, like, weirdly a lot. But it's like, he's not measurably ever doing anything He sang a song, Mario. He sang a goddamn fucking song. <laughs> he sang a song when he was floating down from Paul Bunyan. Which, the trailer made it seem like, oh, triangle balloons, like, floating, like, that's a, one of the very few cool shots in the movie. And then, he sings a song. Why? Why is he singing a song? Just if you want to watch Pennywise, well, they, just they yell need obscenities to... at people. Just watch the miniseries. Because you know, I, I hate to break it to you, but if you're going to make a movie where a clown yells obscenities at people, Tim Curry does it better. Yeah, than Bill Sarsgaard. I'd rather watch Tim Curry yell obscenities at people than Bill Sarsgaard. Yeah, Bill, like, Bill Sarsgaard did the horror aspect of it better than, than Curry, obviously. But like, and like, I feel like yes, that's what they're trying to. You. That's what they're trying to do with the Vicky thing. But it's like, we know that's what he does. Like, well, we don't what they need to, do to see the Mickey it. thing until they just kept making him talk. Yeah. And he, <laughs> and he, he redoes, and he redoes the things he did with Georgie in the first right. film. Uh, all right. So let's talk about a little bit about things. Did we like anything? Did we, JP, did you like, besides the thing you already said about the psychological thing, I kind of, I appreciated like their attempt to kind of like ruin these people also. But is there anything like besides that you kind of thought was was well done? Well, the the carnival scene with the skateboard kid up to a point was my favorite thing too. Yeah, it looked kind yeah. of cool. It was up to a point. It's good, and then it, it just like it keeps going on. It builds tension, and I felt like it then loses it. Right, and I felt the scene with Bev and with Ben's nightmare with Bev in the classroom was mm. probably the best thing in the movie. Yeah, I think that's the best sort of like flashback, flashback sort of um, scare scene. Uh, for yeah. me, like Hater yeah, yeah. nails it. Hater is acting in a different movie than than everyone else. <laughs> Bill Hader is so good. It's it's it's. I feel bad for like Bill Hader, and like the fact that like the only reason I feel some sort of like weird emotion at the end, where I'm like, oh, it's sad that Eddie dies, is not because of the film, but because of how just fucking well Bill Hader sells it. And he loses his glasses. <laughs> but he, he just goes through such like an incredible range of emotions. But the problem is, if I want to watch Bill Hader being fucking amazing, I'm going to watch Barry instead. Yeah, and he's amazing in something that is very not amazing, but that's not a conversation we need to have today. Yeah, Bill Hader's great. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't... I, I, I like Bill Hader. Um, I thought Isaiah Mustafa was pretty good i really i i'm so just no i think isaiah musasa is good but this fucking both of these movies just do not i mean obviously i guess mike at least gets to be at the ritual and whatnot in the end so good for him he's not stabbed to death or basically basically stabbed to death um that character's just in both parts has been given nothing like, they were going to give him, like, I know the original screenplay had, like, given him, like, a substance abuse issue and whatnot, so it seemed like there was going to be an arc. 
they're just like, no, Mike, you just get to be the black guy here. Who's like, gets to be like the just librarian. The work. Yeah. yeah. Who's done all the work, but also scratched out when he was on that weird peyote stuff, like one side of the basket. And everyone's just like, how come no one was like, how come this basket only has three sides? Like what happens here? Was like, I don't know. You lied to us, Mike. I didn't. I, we just needed to believe. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I like. At first, I thought James Ransom was doing a bad job, and then he kind of like grows into it. That almost. Was okay. Yeah. He. He grow. He's doing a really good, not pantomime, but a really good sort of um, mimic of Jack uh, Dylan Grazer. The way mm-hmm. he kind of like performed and his cadence and his kind of like body language. Mm-hmm. Like he. He did that solidly. I, I will, James McAvoy is terrible. He's so bad. <laughs> he's so bad. And like, so you know what's so funny too is that like when this when it chapter one, I think ended, Jessica Chastain and Jay Ryan are both fine. I think Jay Ryan fucking stinks. I don't know why that guy is in this movie. I don't know who he is, but he's terrible. I thought I just thought that the character had nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely gave him nothing to do, but he fucking stinks. Just remember when we had this conversation, like when we were leaving, we were like, who could they get to play Bev? That's the main question. Who plays Bev? And we both were like, Jessica Chastain's definitely too good for this. It's gonna be Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> like, but then they got Jessica Chastain because she has a relationship with Andy Muschietti. And, but then... Having previously started in Mama. Yeah. yeah. But then there's a bunch of scenes where like they're all together where they're supposed to be like chanting. And Jessica Chastain's just like, you're a clown. You're, yeah. you're, go, go back to the darkness. Clown. Clown. Like, I kind of. Just like very like, not emphatically, just kind of like, it was like, just, if you want to leave Jessica Chastain, just go. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, like, it, just... it feels like she doesn't want to be there. Right. Well, like that's, in some part. It's like hilarious. It's, and I commented too, like everybody else is wearing the same costume for the whole thing. Jessica Chastain is the only person who like, is takes clothes. off, is losing clothes. Is constantly they wet. They make sure they keep her wet the whole whole time it's like guys come on come on give me a fucking break i mean not only that so i'm gonna go just focus on bad stuff the the de-aging what was that about no the de-aging was so weird and and terrible so did you did you notice in the clubhouse uh, jp in the clubhouse scene that the like the adr like the audio was weirdly off and that like they're Everything seems sped up when they when they're kids. Like Eddie's talking at a mile. Everyone's talking at like a mile a minute. Did you then like? I didn't notice that. Yeah, Eddie seemed like he was on speed. Yeah, and it was also funny that like they de-aged Finn Wolfhard's face, but they couldn't like shrink him a foot. So, so he's now like a head taller than everybody. And Jack Dylan Grazer's like sounds. I think they sped him up just because you could tell he's going through puberty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, then they Ben's up. Weird and Chosen down Jacobs head. just looks like he's made of like. Per, like porcelain. And I have two more points. And these might Which the special both... effects in this are fucking awful. They're, the they're... special effects in the first one really were already surprising. shaky. I agree yeah, I agree with you. They were like, I thought that um, the Chinese food like sequence, like the goofy like even as goofy as it is in the mini series where it's just like the eyeball, like at least these like terrible practical effects instead of just whatever the well, hell you're doing that, here. Like, so they, they do the eyeball scene, but then they also do like the Stanley stuff. But they spend like a minute with them, like arguing over like how to make this. Which I actually, thing. I actually thought kind of worked. It kind of worked, but they spent so they spent way too long. Yeah, doing no, exactly. It. But that's the weird thing about this movie is like everything takes forever. 
just like just get out of here like show it have bev open the thing there it is like yeah the have them have them figured, argue for like 20 seconds and then bev starts crying stanley blah 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 in the book they figure everything out in the chinese restaurant and they leave the chinese restaurant to go find their artifacts why do we get an extra 20 minutes of them going back and forth over, like, you know, Bev, you didn't tell us. Why is Bev knowing how everybody dies make them want to stay? And they were like, oh, if we don't do it, then we're going to die? But if they leave, wouldn't they just... He's not going to find them. So if they leave, they'll just live, but they won't remember Derry. And then the whole ritual of Chud stuff, like... James McAvoy weirdly like, did you drug me? Did you? Oh, what are you doing? But okay, the big thing though. Let's talk about the most important thing. The two most important things. One, and you can testify to this better than I can. Richie plays Street Fighter at a movie theater arcade. Why does the movie theater arcade take tokens? Why would you have to change your quarters into tokens? Why wouldn't it just be quarters? Was that a big thing? No, 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 but it just makes no sense. This is the adult Richie. This uh, is the, the, the young no, Richie. The young Richie, because yeah. Richie puts a quarter into the machine and like a token comes out. And when, when was this set? I forget. 89. Mid, late 80s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that they were doing tokens at, at that time. I don't, it's just like, there's, it's also, there's also, a, a, I believe, in the background the of Mortal, well, there's Mortal the poster, Kombat, Mortal thing, Kombat yeah. which came out in 1992. Yeah. I just, I don't care about continuity errors like right, that, but right, I was right. like, wait a minute, guys. All right, and then the last one. He goes into Bill Sees Silver. Goes into the shop. and got our good buddy Stephen King. It's just sitting there, reading the Bill Denbro novel. He doesn't think he does endings well either, like Stephen, like Stephen King doesn't do endings well either. <laughs> He'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Bill buys the bike for $300. Also, Stephen King. I like, this. I like this. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Lawrence in this is he pretty looks good. very thin. I was actually a little worried for him. He's but 71. I like his, I like his love... Harvest shirt. Works. Uh, yeah. yeah. Works yeah. nice. Then Bill buys the bike. Gives him, you know, he's got the $300 cash because he's a very famous writer. Um, which is fine. But then when he's going to leave, he presses the handicap automatic door opener. Why? the fuck does this old man pawn shop owner in fucking Derry, which the whole history of Derry in Stephen King's literature says is a shithole, why does he have, how did he spend the money on an automatic handicapped door opener? Does it make any sense? I mean, I know it's stupid, but it's like these. This it ex- exemplifies the fact that this movie. Well, you know what? You know why? Do you know why? Right? Any of the little stuff. Do you know stuff? why that is? Right. Why? Because he bought it from Leland Gaunt, and Leland Gaunt had already put, um, yeah, a handicap thing in there for. You think so? The previous, you know, just I don't somebody think, requested it. I don't think it. he would have done that. I get the impression that Leland Gaunt would not have put a handicap. He wants thing more in there. people to get in there, man. No, he doesn't. He wants them to leave. He knew his clientele. No, he wants more people to get into the needful th- to get into the shop, so that they can get something and then leave. So handicap person. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think in that that space would warrant. <laughs> no one else has one. Everyone else is pushing doors open. 
Why does this guy have one? So he could wheel the bike out easily? Who cares? But that's that's the point. This movie, the the first movie, they made so many choices and they were all right. They were all the right choice. Maybe up until the end, but even the end was awesome because Bill shot his brother in the head with a thing that we used to kill sheep. You know what I mean? That's awesome. And, like, they had to re-quote the let's go kill this fucking clown because, like, that speech from Richie's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, there's all these weird little things in this movie that don't make any sense. Like, why is young Bev in every single scene flashback Bev is in, why is she always smoking? Not only is why is she always smoking, why is she just about to light a cigarette in every single scene? Why? Yeah. <laughs> We know she smokes the first one, but she's not a chain smoker. Right, but this Um, movie would have you believe that she is. And actually, I I think we should finish on this. The changes in terms of some of the significant changes from the novel. Like, you know, getting rid of the fact that it is a woman (laughs) and is laying eggs. Who cares? It's from, like, the macroverse or whatever. Who cares? Getting rid of Madarin. Who cares? How about getting rid of Audra? Just completely, almost. And Tom. Yeah. I, I mean, which I, is good. You know, what, you know what? Yeah, Tom. the Tom Rogan subplot in it stinks. Like, that entire thing stinks. But, like, you got Henry Bauer doing basically nothing in this movie. Absolutely nothing. But he doesn't do anything in the book, either. He doesn't do anything in the book. But you could easily have justified Henry Bauer not dying in the first one. We really should have just been, in the first movie, really should have just been dead. By having him do the Tom Rogan stuff. Because I think that entire subplot with, like, Audra coming into the town, you know, especially when you're casting Jess Wexler, who is, like, a classmate of Jessica Chastain, who played her sister in, like, Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, it feels like a really deliberate choice to make an actress who's really closely knit and has a lot of same mannerisms as Chastain and looks like Jessica Chastain. Why not use that to kind of, like, if you're going to go really heavily on the Bill and Bev and well, Bill Audra's and Bev and... Blood when we meet her. Yeah, exactly. And Jessica Chastain is covered in blood at the end. Yeah, and the Bev and Ben thing. Like, maybe have Henry Bowers take over the Tom Brogan thing and, like, kidnap just, Audra. And, like, do, like, if we have just that... Just get rid of them. Just, if you're oh, gonna, yeah, get rid of them. If all, you're going to do one, do all of them. And if you're just... But if you're going to just do one, then you can do none. You're kind of obligated to do the Bill, Bev, Ben thing just from the first movie. You're obligated to do that yeah, entire, yeah, like, yeah. romance subplot. How about remake it actually interesting and not kind of like weirdly like, oh, Bill and Bev kiss and they realize it's not their thing for them by, you know, them awkwardly looking Mario, at each other. Is that what they realized? Because they just stared dumbly at each that's, other. That's all, that's all I could assume. I assume that, yeah. I assume from the look at each other, it was like, oh, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's how I interpret it. There's nothing that, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like... From Jessica Chastain actually being a decent actress and James McAvoy having used all of his actor like talent apparently in Split. That's too um, bad for him. Like, I think he thought he was going to get an Oscar nomination, but that's neither here nor But like, you know, you get this actress who's like, and this character who plays a pretty pivotal role in the book, and like plays a pivotal role in the subplot that's essential for like this movie, and you have a character who's coming back who you could have easily killed off in the first movie. Just combine the two, so that way, like, this is one thing you add in from the book. That like adds a little level of like interest because otherwise like this Bill Bev Ben thing I don't I hate it because like it's just like that poem man that fucking poem that kid wrote oh my god they re- they leaned into that poem on this movie yeah you don't have to lean into that poem if you have Audra show up you know you can have the poem mentioned a couple times and then you have like Bill kind of like say like yeah I married someone similar to Bev but you know the years and whatnot passed and I moved on from that that's much easier in a much simpler way. 
and adding still some like actual character depth and act- adding more of a connection that the book gives you straight out. But this movie just is like, nope, you know what, Jesse Wexler, you get it one scene and you seem like a bitch. You seem like a real asshole. And, not only and there's a nice Pete Bogdanovich cameo. <laughs> that, well, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was good. I mean, not, only, but not only that, though, but like, um, yes, she seems like a bitch. And then Bill treats her like she is a bitch. Yeah, And no. then so when she leaves, you're just like, weird, Bill's wife is a bitch. And he but has a the, terrible but marriage. In the, but in but the like, novel, their marriage is really complex. And we learn a lot about who he is as a person through yeah, their... The, what, Very book, intelligent discussions I mean, about like been, art and marriage and like all this other it's stuff. It's been years since I read it. The book ends with her the the ride on silver, right? As yeah. well as like she's I know the, cat- the miniseries do- yeah, ends with it. I can't remember if the book ends with that. Everyone's forgetting everything. Yeah, and then he takes her for a ride on silver, and she gets her memory back. Yeah, and like that's like I was kind of hoping for that. You know, it's a good connection to kind of like wrap things over. Oh, do you mean that you didn't like the ending where? Mike calls Bill, and then Bill says, "Why do we remember everything?" Yeah, and then they're just that like, change. Oh, we got a letter from from Stanley, which doesn't say, "Oh, I killed myself so that you yeah. guys." What what a great message, I by the way! So what a great message! Like a pot, I committed suicide for the greater good. <laughs> great message, Warner Brothers. It's gonna be the the it's gonna be the top grossing movie in Japan this year. Jesus <laughs> or Christ, China. That's, China. that's the thing. It's just like the changes they make are, are so fucking stupid. Like get rid of Tom Rogan. That's a smart idea because that character stinks. And this, like this leads perfectly though into our discussion that we're gonna we're gonna go to. Like when you're adapting something, part it's not enough. And we saw this with Pet Cemetery like earlier this year. It isn't enough to just. It's not enough to just redo the book. It's also not enough to like be so. Um, enamored with aspects of the book that you just shoehorn them into a movie for the sake of wanting to see them play out on the screen. You have to make you have to make choices and that might mean like obliterating like a sacred text. Yeah. Um like but if it means getting rid of ritual of chud yeah. and realizing that's stupid as shit. <laughs> <laughs> because it's ill defined and meaningless. It's not a thing. Um but that's the thing. Andy Muschietti made, in the first movie, Kerry Fukunaga made all the choices for him. And in this movie... I mean, we're assuming that, but like, it no, seems heavily like that. He straight. made all the choices. Um, but in this one, Andy Muschietti made all the wrong choices, it seems like. And Gary Dalbertman. We can't, we can't let the creator of Annabelle go either. I would never let the creator <laughs> of Annabelle go. I would also... I'm also going to throw... Thing at the people who did the trailers. Birds of Prey is not interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, we don't need a fake trailer. out. We don't, we don't need we don't a need fake it. out. Yeah, no one cares. And it just looks like Margot Robbie in makeup, like with like one little thing next to her eye. It didn't even look like she was Harley Quinn. Harley Quinned up. <laughs> they must not. Well, no, I love this movie. I love how black. I also love how Black Mask is just Ewan McGregor. Not even like the Black Mask, just Ewan McGregor, which I'm happy for. I mean, but we also got a we got a Doctor Sleep preview. I'm very I'm suspicious about what they're gonna do with Doctor Sleep, but again, they're gonna have to make. It seems like they there was choices to make, and it seems like they decided to not make some choices to just leave stuff that was in the book in the movie. Yeah, but I think we'll talk about this in or, a bit. I do think Mike Flanagan's gonna has been known with adaptations of the King work to make choices that 
improve the material. So that's why I'm... I'm, I'm hopeful. It looks good. Yeah. It actually looks kind of like a good movie. But I also thought that this looks kind of like a good movie. Yeah. I don't know how it has we are, 66% on We are tomatoes. two for two with bad Stephen King adaptations this year, though. This is the bad year for the King. Well, yeah. It's going to make a lot of money, though, right? It, well, it, well, so I don't know. It Dr. made Sleep, $90 Dr. million. Dollars. Well, oh, yeah. Duh. This one. I wouldn't be surprised if this really takes a hit. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Just from word of mouth. I mean, it's already made 190 worldwide, though, so like it's going to... Like, they're already talking about, like, we could do a prequel. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> When said it in 1958? I don't know. Or, like, Pennywise going after Native Americans? Not to, to like, I don't really want to play this part. Aren't you so happy, though, that they left, like, the standpipe in the huge pterodactyl bird that lives there, like, completely out of these movies? Yeah. Except for that one weird, like, computer-generated, like, past thing. Yeah. Um, That's just, like, gone. I was happy about that. Because I've always found that really stupid. Yeah, but Paul Bunyan's still there. Paul Bunyan's still there. So, um, yeah, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some things that we like. <laughs> 